for sleep's sake, assisting you with babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. Hello and welcome to For Sleep's Sake. This series has been developed to assist you when it comes to babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. It's important for everyone to get a good night's rest, but when it comes to our children, the benefits of ensuring a good night's sleep is vital for many reasons. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the importance of establishing healthy sleep patterns in the early years with Cindy Davenport and Natasha Kirkes. Cindy Davenport is a registered midwife, maternal and child health nurse, and the director of Turnity Group, the company behind some of Australia's most recognised brands in the antenatal and early parenting education space, which includes Safe Sleep Space, Sleep Smart, and Nourish Baby. Cindy is passionate about the health and well-being of families and offers a sensible, response-based approach to help babies and children with sleep problems. I'm also delighted to welcome Natasha Kirkes, Area Manager for Petite Early Learning. Natasha manages many centres Australia-wide and is integral in assisting educators and parents around this common theme of safe sleep and settling. Welcome to the show, Cindy and Natasha. Firstly, Cindy, tell us, why is sleep and rest so important for our preschoolers? Yes, thanks again um, for having us here. And the this this podcast here is um, and welcome everybody is on the importance of establishing healthy sleep patterns in our preschoolers, an area that um, we often wonder whether they need sleep or how much sleep do they need or how do we achieve sleep in in the preschooler? What really is required? And and it's something that is so so important. So here today, um, Natasha and myself will will be talking through the establishing those sleep patterns but importantly really for our preschoolers sleep is still very very essential it's a really essential part of everyone's routine we all need sleep as adults as well and um, this is not anything different for our preschoolers our preschoolers are very active and they're getting to that very they're communicating well they've got lots of language they've got lots of words they know how to protest and if they want to protest about not having sleep well then you know they're pretty big on this you know as we understand and uh, again you know for parents and educators here listening to our podcast no little one no little preschooler is trying to make our life difficult it's just that they they might not have that capacity still quite to formed in regulating their their little um their brains and their capacity to be able to tell us about these big emotional intense feelings or quite simply that they are actually overtired and they don't know it. So sleep and rest and especially when it comes to uh, our little ones and they're in an early years or childcare setting, whether that be family daycare or long daycare, is really, really, really vital. I mean, making sure your child has enough sleep is, is just as important as ensuring that they've got enough healthy food. And sleep really sets up the pattern for the rest of the behaviour for our little preschoolers. And so what we'd love to do here is is explain just a little bit of the differences and what we do do in our early years settings and centres such as at Petite and other, other services and how we ensure that sleep and rest is critical for the preschooler. And so I think, Tash, with um, your centres and coming in, in your position as the director here and sleep especially is, is vital, in your services with your preschoolers, what would be the most common sleep issues now for this age bracket? Remembering, a, you know, obviously a, a preschooler is sort of that three years and upwards or, you know, we're trying to get them into healthy patterns for life really and getting them ready to, you know, of course, head into school and, and later. So... 
what would what would probably be the most common issues that you might see? Yeah, so look, some of the most common issues that we do see is just a blatant refusal of sleep. No. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to sleep. I'm I'm too big to sleep. I'm, big. I'm going to school. So, you know, you'll hear those I things. I don't need to sleep. That's correct. Yeah. Um, another one is also parents not wanting their child to have a nap as mm. their preference as it mm. impacts on their sleep quality at home. Yeah. So they're the two main um, things that we do see. And look, another thing is also heightened awareness of surroundings and the imagination mm. of the child at this mm. at this age. So they are quite um, easily distracted, um, you know, by other elements in the environment. So that, that's another thing as well. And also the association with comforters and toys as well. Still happens, doesn't yes, it, at this yeah. age? Yeah. So, and another thing that we've, we're finding more so now is a lack of physical activity um, and also mm. screen dependence. So there's mm. some new ones that we're starting to sort of um, identify within the early childhood setting as well. Yeah. And I think those two um, are really key uh, parts that we can assist uh, parents really to understand and then certainly so that we can help our little preschoolers. But, you know, at this age, you know, children really, as you said, they're very verbal. They know what they want or what they don't want or what they think they don't want and they will protest. They will protest yes. about sleep. It's only normal, <laughs> you know. So when we look at sleep um, and how much do they need or rest that the preschoolers need? We often need to look for informed um, guidelines. It's a guideline. There's no normal, as we know, and each day will vary and depending again. So as we've suggested, it's great to have the conversation with the parents if anything, you know, uh, unusual is happening. There's something triggering why they might be a bit a preschooler who hasn't had a sleep maybe one day is really, really tired. Looking at things like are they unwell, you know, these are often the first signs when you see a little um, preschooler who's really not feeling very well. But but often, fantastically, they will be able to tell you, I don't feel well or I've got a sore tummy or, you know. So we listen as educators to that and um, that might be a reason why they, they, they don't want to sleep. But I think if we understand for sleep and rest, it does vary, um, but they're all different. And some children will stick to their nap routines for quite some time and even you know, right up to the end of that preschool and often sometimes even kids come home from school and need like a little little short rest, if you like. I guess the key is just make sure that we're consistent really across the board. So in the early years settings and, and also at home if possible, um, that the preschooler is getting at least a number of hours across the 24-hour period. It's important to look at the big picture. So yeah. looking at nighttime sleep and daytime or naps and if napping is needed, try to have that at the same time every day. That's what we find is the big thing for preschoolers. If we if we end up not, you know, mixing this up and, and we know, you know, we're busy as parents and we can't all be stuck at home. That's not ideal. We do need to go out. We've got appointments to go to. But we do, if we if possible, suggest to parents that they try um, to have that rest or that nap time for a preschooler even if they're not sleeping at their resting at the same time for consistency each day. And I feel um, what we, we're very fortunate around the world. We've got great guidelines around what is a basic understanding of how much sleep all the requirements are, things like our Australian 24-hour movement um, guidelines and certainly similar guidelines in the UK and, and in the US and recommended is roughly about 10 to 13 hours. We don't want parents to get stuck on this because, you know, we don't need to count it up. We're looking more at the behaviour. As always, with our preschoolers, we want to tune in. We want to see what they're telling us. 
they are looking tired today. Let's work out what the reason is. Are they just overtired because they've had a little bit of a later night, someone came to visit, or are they becoming unwell, as we've said, or is there something else happening in their little world? And trying to to get into their, you know, looking through their eyes, as we always do try to do, um, and understanding so that we can make sure that they've got some, you know, great sleep and rest um, uh, and relaxation in accordance with some of those those guidelines. So, yeah, preschoolers typically sleep around about 11 to 13 hours and across the night most often won't nap after about five years of age. So certainly you will see a little bit of a difference in that sort of three- and four-year-old where they will nap or they might rest. And, and often as they get a bit older, it might be a day where they do sleep and one day they don't and there might be a bit of an alternating. And as much as we can try and keep this the same, it's the time of the day if they are going to sleep or, or rest that we want them to do this. And um, I, I, I hear what you're saying too. There's often an imagine, a, a heightened imagination happening here. They're really aware of their surroundings and, you know, they might have seen something or and it's really big. It's big for them. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of development for our preschools, but it is, it is quite big. And, you know, sometimes we see things like nightmares and terrors and sleepwalking and issues like this um, peaking in these preschool years and so we need to you know help and support our parents with that as well and I think if the consistency is at home as well as in the earlier settings and we're more likely to be able to have a great healthy sleep pattern that's what we're trying to do mm. in our little ones we're trying to always establish healthy positive um, sleep patterns right from birth through infancy toddler and to the preschooler developing healthy sleep patterns for life really and um Working together, working in our early years settings is, is prime and our educators are, you know, trained for this as well and it, it's great that they can work with families on this. So, I think though, Tash or Natasha, you'll find that um, rest time is so important. It doesn't have to be chaotic though and often, you know, when you think of a room full of preschoolers, you know, and everyone's got to go to sleep or, you know, it, it opens up this sort of, you know, picture in our minds of, oh, it's going to be very chaotic, but this is not the case. It doesn't need to be. We have what we'll call transition times for sleep. Yeah, so how do you make sure in your centre, in your services and centres that these times aren't free from chaos and that there is that smooth transition? Yeah, so I think the main thing is really focusing on the relationships with children. So knowing your children, knowing the group dynamic, knowing individual dynamics, communication with families. So, you know, sleep routines and that transition time can vary from day to day, dependent on particular children and, and what's been sort of going on in the background. I do stress the relationships that you develop with your children and how that will affect the rest of the transition process. The sleep and relaxation period in an early childhood setting can be quite overwhelming for some children. So it is quite a contrast between the home environment and the early childhood setting. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the stimulation of things to do and, you know, it's typically seen perhaps in children that attend maybe once or twice a week and they want to explore so many things. So they don't yeah. they don't want to sleep because no, they've got access not. to all these yeah. fantastic experiences yeah. and the environment. So I guess it's about, you know, setting the tone and having a good transition strategy in place for the group. Whilst all sleep and rest practices are in line with the centre-based policies and recommendations for safe, safe sleeping, the research, is, it is also important that we consider 
how we create the sanctuary for children and, you know, what do we do? What are the routine routines and rhythms that we mm. want to implement within the setting? So it's always about setting the environment, you know, creating a calm environment for sleep and relaxation. It does require a bit of planning and thought and the ambience is created through the location uh, for the sleep and relaxation. So things such as bedding mm. and the music, the lighting and the mood that we're creating um, to signify that transition. So we're wanting to really prepare the children in mm. advance to say, okay, this is our sleep and rest transition. You don't have to sleep, but this mm. is our, yeah. our relaxation time. So it's really important to set that environment up and plan plan for that. It's not just, okay, we've had lunch. It's time to now go on your bed. If you fail to plan, yeah, it doesn't you plan work, to fail. It, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, teaching our teams to create a change in their tone and their energy and, and their manner to reflect the change in the routine and model the type of climate that they want the children to be in. So if you're mindful as an educator and you're creating that climate for sleep, mm. then rest, relaxation and sleep will occur naturally um, within that time frame. I think that's a really good point because, you know, the environment that we create from not just the physical, obviously safety side as well as in that emotional environment, but led by the educators, you know, themselves understanding and being that relaxed and mindful is is key to to really set that that ambience, as you said, in, in that environment. And we see this really um, that these these little preschoolers are then so well equipped. We're giving them some really good, you know, life skills and this transitions then into really healthy sleep patterns into their, you know, primary years and and further and beyond so it's, yeah. it's great and I think that you know as educators or any person we shouldn't be trying to make another person mm. sleep so I think that's the key thing mm. here so you know ensuring that it's okay if they aren't sleeping yeah. and you know why do we want them to sleep I think sometimes mm. the question is that is it so that we can have a quiet time and it's just easier so that everybody's doing the same thing at the end of the day it does come down to the children's individual needs so we mm. do need to cater for those things Relaxation. So, you know, not all children will require sleep. And in consultation with both your children and families, you need to determine to see mm. on a case-by-case -case basis. Each day period of time is allocated to preparing and engaging in a relaxing program. So consider what other strategies or experiences that you could, um, you know, bring bring within this transition period. So, mm. you know, to mind, you know, I, I think art and creativity, mm. um, drawing, um, you know, that soft music. So creating that ambience for rest is just as good as the children going to sleep as well. And the whole room is quite calm. So just mm. knowing and, and the children identifying that yeah. period um, for relaxation is quite beneficial. Yeah, it really becomes that transition, is it, isn't it? Because it's like our anyone we all like to to know what's next and so for our preschoolers um, being able to anticipate that okay here we've got this environment that we've set it's relaxing and they know then what comes next and if they want to you know sit and rest or sleep if they need to sleep as you said queuing in as to whether or not they need the sleep we can't force sleep but you know we really want to provide just the opportunity for that for that environment and you know, not making them be forced in any way, but um, it really is is important. So, and one of the things that um, we'll often see also around this stage is is that uh, parents will often ask us um, and um, and yourselves as well about you know if they think we're well, not quite sure, but I feel like my child something's happening. There's a nightmare or a night terror happening. Do, do you probably hear a few parents say that? Yeah, and they yeah. do get quite concerned about that as yeah, well. Yeah, because it's it's a hard thing to watch. Like um, you know, toddlers having nightmares and terrors. It's witnessing that is 
is really quite confronting, you know, for everybody. And for parents, if you've not seen it before, it, it, it often can be quite worrying. And so it's great, again, that our educators have training and so understand the differences and, and be able to uh, communicate this with, with our um, families. So I'll just explain a little bit about the difference between nightmares and terrors, you know, for, especially um, as parents if you're concerned. But probably first and foremost, speak with your educators about this um, if you're concerned, but also, you know, tap in with your resources like your health professionals and GPs um, for anything that, you, you know, you are concerned about. It's, it's, it's always better to err on the side of caution and ask someone and get their help if you need. So nightmares are really what happens when we see this. It's experienced when a child is, is awoken from a really vivid dream. You know, it's quite, they've got intense uh, feelings of fear or, you know, sometimes they're really overwhelmed and they'll be able to recall that content. They've got words often. And so what they will do is they'll be able to actually, a parent or a carer will go in and talk to the child and you will be able to have a conversation with them if it is a nightmare. So a nightmare is something that um, the common features that we see, they, they, they wake up, they're quite fearful, they're upset, they love to be comforted, they love a hug or a cuddle and um, with language they can tell you what's happened. They'll explain what, what was in that content of the dream often. Um, and often nightmares, when this happens at home for parents, it's really, this is probably the difference between a nightmare and a terror. A nightmare occurs in our, what we call rapid eye movement sleep or our light sleep phase. So this is always in the second half of the night. So, you know, for educators, if you have parents saying, oh, it seems to be happening in the second part of the night. So, you know, more after midnight or after one or 2 a.m., it's probably more likely to be a nightmare. And it happens, nightmares, around a quarter of all our, our children will have, you know, maybe a nightmare or experience one and it will peak at, as we said around this very vivid imagination time of two to three years of age so that when children our little preschoolers are learning the difference between you know reality and fiction so how we help our little ones when they're having a nightmare is just some key tips here is yes go to your child or as an educator go to the child if you're feeling that it is you know a nightmare you will be able to help them Avoid, obviously, screens. Screens is big, right? Avoid screens, movies, stories, anything scary, you know. Have a look at what you're reading or what they might be seeing. It might be that you haven't meant to, but they've seen something on the television. Or if they're having that uh, respond to that nightmare, go to them, cuddle them, reassure them. They will talk with you and they will be able to recall it in the morning and... Uh, Make sure that, um, you know, there's nothing else stressful happening. Try and think, oh, has anything else triggered this? Stay unwell? You know, have we moved? What's, what's going on? I'll, I'll talk to my educators at, um, at our services and see if there's something else that we feel like might be happening and try and work this out. And as we've said, if, there's, if it's really ongoing or, or you're concerned, then, you know, really seek medical advice as well from, from your GPs or health nurses and try to get to the bottom of it. But what is a night terror? So night terror is totally different. It's anyone who has experienced or watched a night terror, it's quite quite frightening the first time you see it because your little one will wake quite agitated and um, they are in their deep sleep. So this is the real difference as opposed to a nightmare. Remembering a nightmare is happening in their rapid eye movement sleep or the second half of the night when a lot of rapid eye movement sleep happens. Night terrors, they happen in the first part of the night, so pretty much after you put them to bed. And that's because that's when our little ones are in their deepest part of their sleep. So they're in, you know, real, real deep sleep. And, you know, they can be standing, they can be sitting, they can be, they can have their eyes open. It looks quite scary. So, um, and it can last for, you know, a number of minutes or, you know, 30 or so minutes. And 
and you really, as a parent, you really just want to console them. You're trying to get them to respond, but they absolutely, they just don't. They, a little one who is having a terror is quite agitated, but they're disorientated as well. And they won't, they're in a deep sleep, so they won't respond to you. So the steps here, it actually happens in about 5% of our little ones and around two to six years of age and often more common in boys as well. So these are not, you know, things that we could be aware of as well. So if they're um, likely to have night terrors, they might not be well. So just always keep that in mind. And as we said, seek any medical advice if you're unsure it's or it's going on for a while. But the way to respond to a night terror is different to a nightmare because you still need to go to your child or be with the child if you're, if they're in your care, but they won't respond. So just stay with them, guard them, protect them, make sure they're not getting hurt or injuring themselves if they're moving around and and then wait with them. It might be very hard to do, but wait patiently with them and, and you know, then soothe them and do the measures that parents always or carers always do really well is then give them a cuddle and, and pop them back into bed if they're, once they've, you know, um, not experiencing that anymore. So it's really vital that we, we can kind of help. And you get lots of lots of questions um, in about preschoolers like that as well, I'd imagine, and parents wanting to find out. Absolutely. And I think that's really, um, it's great to be able to share that information. Say, yeah, look, you know, we do see this in the setting. It's mm. quite normal. Mm. You know, these are some of the strategies. This is what you can do. So it's just about that open communication and just sharing that knowledge with one another. Um, and it just also puts the parent at ease. So yeah. often if it's a first time round that it happens, they might come in and say, oh my goodness, you know, they were up and they, you know, they had a night terror. I'm really concerned. Mm. Um, it's about saying, okay, yep, this is quite, um, you know, common within this age group we'll keep an eye we'll monitor we'll talk to you we'll let you know what we do if we do see this happening within the service as well. and you're really working together as a team and they feel yeah. like they're not on their own and that's right I think that's a really key part and especially... they always do come to you know the educators or the center director as yeah. the first point of call oh. um, just to get that reassurance of, is this okay or yeah. is this not okay yeah. and then they do so it's really mm. important for us to be knowledgeable to mm. be able to share that yeah and as we said you know to have training in in safe sleeping and settling yeah. as well and I know another one that parents will often we like to pick up with preschools is is you know they'll come to us and say you know I'm a little bit concerned because you know I'm picking up that my toddler's snoring essentially you know snoring and children is not a healthy combination at all the truth is is that any snoring or any noisy breathing during sleep for any child is always something that we take very, very seriously and needs investigating. So again, as educators, you know, we want that parent to be, then be referred on to their health professional or GP. You know, in in most cases, um, you know, they, they will discuss and, and explore that with the GP, eliminate things like, you know, maybe a, an obstructive sleep apnea or, you know, is it tonsils or what it is, but essential to say that snoring is not normal and um, definitely needs, you know, acting on and and again the educators will be able to refer parents into that position as well so so on that I think you know having that training the professional training is mm. really important and it is it is key we wouldn't have known within our setting that snoring mm. was um, was not okay within that mm. age group you know mm. sometimes think oh they might have a cold or they may mm. have a sinus issue or mm. you know someone said that dad snores so this mm. child snores as well yeah. so having that knowledge and the skill to be able to say hey look you know we perhaps we this. should yeah. go and get that checked mm. out we have noticed this is this yeah. happening at home yeah. we need to be that knowledge bank so having that training that mm. we've had with safe sleep has been Mm. fantastic for those little things yeah. that you didn't even know mm. about. So. And again, it's not about alarming parents, but just no. informing them. And that's yeah. what I think is the great, you know, collaboration because you look again, err on the side of caution and have your child checked. But yeah, certainly around nightmares and terror, 
showers, you know, and, and snoring. These are common things that happen. Well, snoring is probably not as common, but certainly needs investigating. So for our parents of preschoolers then, what would be our four tips or your four tips from your experience in working in the petite services when they're concerned about their little preschoolers sleep, you know, what would what would you suggest to parents? I think what we've obviously already just touched on is is the communication. So you know, communication is key. You know, if you do have those concerns, that you are actually you know speaking with your centre director, with the room leader, just to be able to discuss um, you know your the child's sleep routines or any concerns that you do have. Um, you know, once again, great time to do it is upon enrolment um, mm, or during yeah. orientation. So yeah. this is the key time where we're able to gather information about your child and how best we can. And support your child and what your concerns are as a parent and also just to get to know the child as well what we need to look out for as well within their sort of sleep and settling routines so you know communication is is, is key and also the communication around if there is a change of the routine mm, so yeah. once again there may be you know mum might be having um, another baby and she's in hospital and you know the child hasn't slept all night because they're missing their mum. Um, a change in yeah. circumstance, moving home is a real common one that we see in the early childhood setting. You know, they're having to move out of their house, a new room. Mm. Um, so these are all things that do disrupt. They're big, aren't they? They're um, big for little ones. Yeah. yeah so mm. that, it can impact on their sleep at home and their quality. So they may require more sleep within the setting. Mm. So just having the, the communication with your with your team um, to let them know what's been happening within the home environment. Once again, it's about consistency and, you know, setting up a good daily schedule at home that can also be quite similar to the care setting as well. Yeah. So, you know, having just developing a ritual, you know, if you do have a problem with getting your children to sleep in the evening, you know, reading them a story, having a specific ritual that you do yeah. each time to prepare them for that transition, which is quite similar to what we do within the early childhood setting yeah. as well. So just really trying to marry the two together so we've all got the same strategy and, you know, yeah, it's going to be the, the best page. outcome for your child. I think another thing also to highlight here is the Australian um, 24-hour movement guidelines, just so that parents can be informed and, you know, all of our services are aware of the 24-hour guidelines. So just providing mm -hmm. um, or asking for that information, but you should be able to see it readily available in most reception areas about the 24-hour guidelines. Mm -hmm. Really important to see what, you know, what is physical activity and how much physical activity should yeah. my child be doing in this day mm. and age? Because they are quite sedentary. So these yeah. are real current issues that we are finding within the technology and the lack of physical play. So, you know, maybe your child isn't stimulated mm. um, enough throughout the day to be tired. So, you know, these are things that we can refer to as well. Yeah, ensuring that they get that sleep and, you know, what how much sedentary behaviour and not yeah. for long periods of time and then that physical activity is is absolutely key because, you know, as we know, some some little preschoolers are, are quite tough to get to sleep. You know, mm. they protest. That's okay. That's normal. And and others will have trouble, you know, often staying as, staying asleep. So what uh, some of the tips, you know, that we could recommend as well just to, to help here is, is, yeah, that consistency of, of is key, making sure that they can anticipate what that next step is. Um, and it's the same, you know, hopefully keep it as consistent and the same across each day and night, knowing that we can't, you know, always do that every day, but we're possible, yeah. um, you know, and that they they get a, an environment, like dim the lights, get the, stop the use of any electronic screens, Absolutely, you know, um, where possible, we really want to avoid screens with the, with this age group as well. But definitely, you know, before the bedtime and give them that warm bath and do that, you know, massage, that nice reading or that bit of a family, little gentle activity or short book together and 
um, know that if they are waking up, you know, these are the these are the little ones, of course, who be in their toddler beds, and we have to help them with some of those settling strategies we discussed earlier in our um, our toddler section. But really, and our preschools is the same. Walk them back to their room, and and really provide them with that reassurance and support um, as well. They, they really do um, look to us as adults to help them. They can't tell us exactly what they're feeling yet as well. These preschoolers won't. They'll get sort of, I, I know I'm not feeling great and I can say a few words to you, but I am tired. Please tell me I'm tired. And they, they look to educators and parents for that um, And I think on that, that's support. quite important, the self-regulation. So, yeah. you know, by the time they almost get to school age, um, the ability is there to yeah. express what they are feeling as well. So it's also enabling them and providing them to take charge in their own self-regulation. I think that's Help really important as well. Them. Like mm. what works for you? You know, tell me what's going to make you feel better mm. and, you know, what's going to help you go to sleep? Do you need something? Mm. Um, I think it's also putting it back to that child and them having that mm. that um, identity to be able to mm. say, well, this is this is what I want and this is how I self-regulate. It's mm. really important for them Absolutely. to identify. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, it also comes down to just, uh, again, respecting those the family preferences as well, so the cultural, res- you know, respect as well, and what um, that consider what that looks like, and looking and working together, and 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 as we've always said, you know, we can't force our preschools to sleep, and but we can provide them with um, that beautiful environment, that sleep and rest, or rest if they don't want to sleep. So, I feel, um, you know, really the other thing that parents will really want to know, um, Natasha, is safety is still always top of mind for us for preschoolers, and. Um, so we really want to ensure still that even in our preschools that, you know, the environment is safe and, um, you know, if they are in this restful environment or, you know, they're in the early years setting, what does sleep and settling still look like there for, for the preschooler? Natasha, this leads us on to ensuring safety is top of mind at all times. Can you explain why safe sleep and settling practices are so important in preschoolers? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we find is um, really common by the time that children get to the preschool age, we have this this um, notion or feeling that um, the safety is almost um, mm. compromised because they are older and they're, they're not at risk. Mm. Absolutely, the risks, um, mm. you know, they do. Um, there, there are higher risks with the younger mm. younger children, but within an early childhood setting, when we're caring for a large group of children, mm. um, as a service, we still need to have that duty of care and follow policies and procedures um, in relation to safe sleep and settling. Um, so this definitely is still key um, and we are still following the same guidelines um, for the mm. children. So, yeah. yeah. And that new policy reflects that for parents as well and, yeah. and, and is, is displayed. And it could be things like, you know, you might find there's extra things creeping back in, some, you know, yes. maybe is it blankets? The blankets, and, the pillows are yeah. a big one as well. Yeah. And even just how we cover a child within the preschooler age. So making mm. sure that we are still um, ensuring within within guidelines of how we do that too. So mm. um, absolutely. And I think, you know, Natasha, parents of children are, with sleep issues are often amazed when, they're, when their little one, their preschooler, is resting well in the childcare setting that they, they do see that this is really effective. So, you know, for parents that come to you with, with questions around, you know, I don't want them to sleep or perhaps I do need them to sleep. Obviously, educators are a real source of reassurance because they're with the, 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 the preschooler. So how can we explain, I guess, uh, to parents about that importance again that um, with their child can rest well and we don't have to force enforce sleep? Yes, yeah, so I think it comes just down to really acknowledging how hard it is 
um, to have a child who doesn't sleep and how exhausting it is for everybody. Mm. And just remind the parents that sleep deprivation is actually, Mm. it's hard for everyone. Cindy, what are the final tips and strategies you can suggest to parents to help with this age group to settle to sleep? Yeah, with our preschoolers, I, I the way the final tips and strategies are, are really keep it to consistency and keep them them quite basic. Look for your supports. We have lots of tips on how to actually settle the children. It's very similar to being with your child. Look out for the uh, the early tired signs. Key is really setting up a great bedtime routine. So that relaxation, sleep is regular, consistency. Make sure that you that if they are offered the opportunity to sleep and rest, and often we'll find that parents will say, oh, I'm really so surprised that they actually had a sleep today whilst they're at childcare because, you know, for the last week I haven't been able to get them to sleep at home. Is there something I'm doing wrong? No, it's not anything that you're doing wrong as parents. It's just that often there's a bit more of a routine or the environment is a bit different and a preschooler might also be really tired. We look for their cues and then give them that opportunity to sleep and rest. And if they take that opportunity and they need sleep, then that is great because we know that, as we said, sleep will promote sleep and you won't get an overtired preschooler who makes it difficult in the evening time and then perhaps overnight. So really key to not make them and and force them to sleep. You know, generally we tend to sort of say, give them an opportunity to rest about 20 minutes. And if they've actually gone to sleep, well, that's great. And if they haven't, then we can move them into more of a, a little quiet activity. And so we're not forcing them to stay in the one spot. You know, particularly some some little ones will find that quite difficult. So we're not we're not trying to make their 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 life um, difficult at all. Big one: avoid the clocks. Okay, make sure that you're looking for your preschooler tired signs and looking at their cues and behaviours as well. And also, you know, talk through some of the challenges that like we have and and particularly sometimes also, you know, if you're finding that your preschooler is dependent on something, a sleep association, they might even be dependent on milk in bottles and things. So talk to your wonderful educators about how you can help transition that out. And I feel the the final pieces of advice from ourselves at... um, at Safe Sleep Space and Sleep Smarties is that, you know, again, be considerate of each and every single preschooler. We are helping them develop healthy patterns for life and we are there in a way to support and identify that for them. And, you know, they need that opportunity and that space for rest and relaxation. And we as adults and carers need to guide them for that. You yourselves know, be kind to yourselves as parents. Um, you, you've got a lot to take on and there's lots. You've often got a little, another little one as well. So know that things will work and that there's a lot of support around for you. Educators, um, all your guidelines, go to your reputable sites, you know, your websites and um, get some information and, and call out for help. It, it's always okay. It's not failing to say that I can't get my preschooler to sleep, especially if it's been going on for a while, because it's tiring. Mm-hmm. And I think Tash, you'd agree too. And and your final advice for for educators and or any other teachers listening out there. Yeah. So my final advice would really be to become familiar with your sleep and rest relaxation policies within your service, and you know, so you can feel confident ensuring that you're providing a safe sleep and settling environment at your centre. 
we found that the Sleep Smart training program was really beneficial for our teams in teaching them and providing them with the tools to be able to follow our processes mm. and procedures and also selling our children in an effective way. Another thing is obviously communicating with your families. So, you know, having that knowledge and just listening to parents. Sometimes it's just have that mm. listening ear. That ear, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And just having that time to, you know, work through that family with, with certain strategies for their child um, and just being genuine and authentic in mm. those in those um, relationships and partnerships with your families. Always remember that sleep and rest time should be a smooth transition. Mm. And if you are mindful of this and you are creating a relaxed mood and soft music and lighting, children in your care will respond to that positively. Mm. And Absolutely. you will also feel calm and relaxed yourself. So, you know, understand that it's okay if a child isn't sleeping at that age in preschool particularly. And, in, and identifying those children just Look at different experiences um, such as sensory play mm. during that time just to promote that sense of calm, the music, the art. So just catering for their individual needs during that time. Natasha, if listeners want to find out more about your centres and talking to you, where is the best place for them to go? So you can find us at petiteearlylearningjourney.com.au and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. We are quite active on social media and um, you can also find myself at LinkedIn um, under Natasha Kirkes if you have any questions. Cindy, if someone is interested in your sleep programs, how do they find out more? We have our online sleep smart training on our websites and also our safe sleep space and Nourish Baby websites. I think key for educators is look at our sleep smart training. It really encompasses the safe sleeping and the settling and, you know, for parents as well. And for parents, have a look at our app. It's called Rockabub. Lots of tip sheets as well. And, and really key, talk to your educators about your baby, your toddler, your preschooler. Cindy and Natasha, thank you very much for joining us on For Sleep's Sake. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. For Sleep's Sake is brought to you by Nourish Baby. Safe sleep space and sleep smart.